Hey, everybody. This episode of Clinic Gym Radio is brought to you by our new communication system, Clinic Gym Connect. Now, I said communication system. It's also a marketing system. It's also a customer service system, and it's also a follow-up system. It's all of those things because it is a communication system, and you can't provide great service, great care, or great marketing without great communication. So the secret here is that we want you to use text message-based communication. It's what people do today. If you're just emailing your patients, if you're adding them to email lists through MailChimp and Gmail and all that, man, I just think you're going to struggle to grow. But we have some solutions built into our system that will help you grow and make this year the best year you've ever had in clinic and hopefully in your gym. So check out clinicgymconnect.com. Again, that's clinicgymconnect.com. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I have spent the last 12 years trying to find the perfect model of musculoskeletal healthcare. And I think I found it. I think it's combining chiropractic care with excellent rehab skills and then transitioning those patients into an exercise program at a gym where there's great communication between you and the people running the gym. We call that the clinic gym hybrid model. And over the last two years, we've really been trying to perfect it with the goal of having 100 clinic gym hybrid facilities opening up here in the US. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley and welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and it's my pleasure to be joined today by the godfather of chiropractic marketing, Dr. Kevin Christie. Kevin, how are you? you? I'm doing good, man. I appreciate the intro. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's godfather because you you are the uh, quintessential uh, expert on it and also you're down in, in South Florida where half of the uh, Italian mobsters move when they retire, right? Oh, yeah. And I had that firsthand experience when I, my summer after my freshman year at Florida State, I came back home and waited tables at this amazing restaurant that never seemed to make any money. But you always saw these <laughs> Italian guys at like, you know, 10 a.m., Monday through Friday, sipping cognac, smoking a cigar. And the general manager's like, yeah, this is run by the mafia. It's like, oh, cool. Awesome. So yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, Kevin, among other things, I mean, you're running a f- uh, practice, you have uh, the CSA running, and you also recently put out a book. Uh, all in, what, one year's time you started all those things? No, no, a few years time, a few years well, time. Man, it seems like it was uh, that they all came came on about the same time. And you yeah. expanded your family, got married, and uh, anything else that went on in there that I'm missing? Did you cure cancer or anything? I, I got COVID and, and slayed it. Ooh, so nice. that was good. Yeah, so right. that was fun. That was a good time. No, it wasn't. But uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I think... It, I have I have a lot of help. So I right out of the gates, I'm not going to yeah. pretend to sit here like I do it all myself. Um, right. Obviously, I think, you know, I have Delegate Solutions helps me with a lot. Uh, I've got internal team members. So I've got a lot of people helping and and I owe a lot of that uh, capability to Strategic Coach for the last eight years to, to kind of wire me that way to get nice. good people around me. So that's definitely been helpful. And then I, I set goals and I, and I work towards that and try to yeah. make sure I'm moving the ball forward at least, even if we get uh, slapped in the face with uh, certain things that happen to us, no matter how successful anybody's doing it, you know, and, 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 and how much progress they're making, there's going to be steps back occasionally. So you just got to keep at it. Yeah. I was just actually, I had another podcast this morning and we were saying how like, you can make these business plans, but I was saying it's like running a play in football or basketball. Like it's, it's not going to go exactly the way you planned it, but it's not like you just wipe your hands of it and say, oh, well, let's throw that out. You adapt to the defense, yeah. find another way. And you still, the whole goal is let's, let's still score, you know, and 2020 for some people was uh, a very determined, powerful defense that wanted to crush you. And yet still some people found a way to win. It's, it's funny to say, because I use the, uh, I feel like my, my last 10 years of professional life has been like the Denver Broncos when <laughs> it's like the analogy, you know, they, they played the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl with the number one offense of all time and got smoked by a great defense. So what yeah. they decided to do is turn themselves into a defensive juggernaut. And if you remember, I think it was two years later, they beat the Carolina Panthers with a really rickety Peyton Manning, but the number one defense in the league. And that's kind of what I had to do in my professional life. Uh, some people have listened to that before, but uh, I had a pretty meteoric uh, 2010 to 2015 and then 
really got my legs chopped off in 2015, 2016, but uh, reinvented and, and did a lot of stuff to get to where I'm at now. So we're, it's all going to happen to us at some point, probably. Yeah. And you got to have that resiliency to, to deal with it. But yeah, I mean, uh, Bill Belichick lost Tom Brady. I think he's still going to do okay, even though Tom Brady's doing pretty damn good himself. So. I hate anyway. Tom Brady. I love Tom Brady, but but as a Dolphins fan, it's been it's been a tough twenty five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, uh, look, uh, not for those who uh, are football fans, the Cleveland Browns uh, prove that every bad uh, franchise actually can do good if you just give them uh, enough decades. They'll get it right, you know, three, four decades and they'll nail it. So anyways, uh, I'd love to talk about your book, Kevin, because it's, it's pretty exciting to see this thing on my desk. It's pretty exciting to get it in the mail. Uh, it's for those listening, it's called Doing It Right, Modern Chiropractic Marketing. But when did you first kind of think about actually writing this down in a book? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I know, I think we might touch on repurposing a little bit. And um, I just knew I had, when we started the Chiropractic Success Academy back in July of 2018, but then I actually, I had started the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Group in July of 2016. And for two years, I did not monetize that at all. Um, Really just created content, got it out there, started Mm -hmm. the Facebook group, started the podcast, did all that. And then uh, monetize it finally with with CSA, but we developed tools and did a lot of stuff. And so I had worked through that and and essentially started to realize like, you know, I have enough stuff here to 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 turn it into a book that someone could uh, read, but I also made it a book workbook because I wanted them to be able to apply it. That was one of my biggest complaints of books that I've read uh, in the past. Because I mean, books are great, but a lot of marketing books can tend to be marketing theory, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Seth Godin to death. He's one of the people I've read a lot of his stuff, but you sometimes you read his book and you're just like, you're a little overwhelmed. It's a lot of uh, theory and it's it can be a little difficult to to try to distill down into applicable marketing for your practice. So I wanted to, to make sure it was a book workbook combo. And so that's how I thought about it. And then I just knew I didn't have the capabilities of doing it myself. And uh, I just threw it out into the ether of my Facebook group. Uh, does anybody know any publishers that do chiropractic books? And uh, luckily enough, Dr. Bill Morgan of Parker University had reached out to me and said they were interested. And, and then they took the, 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 the task of dealing with me <laughs> and uh, my nuances. And, and they turned it into an actual book and workbook that looks, uh, looks a lot yeah. better than I could have ever done. Uh, two rounds of editing, a lot of different things. So they could hide my fifth grade reading level. <laughs> well, it, it came out fantastic. I mean, there's like color photos in there. There's, you know, uh, like you were saying, the the workbook piece, I think is huge. We're going to talk a little later about the repurposing map, if you will, which I don't know another way you could have explained that without a picture of it, you know, like, and, yeah. and people being able to look in a workbook and kind of write some things down. I'd love that too. Cause that's, I'm going through a different um, book. I don't know. You're a fan of Donald Miller, right? The yeah, just made simple. Listening to it the, right now. Yeah, every one of their courses has a, a fillable workbook that kind of at the end you. Hey, I ended up with this product, like this thing, that's so much more powerful than just reading it. So, mm-hmm. I'm excited to talk about it. Well, um, to start off, for those listening, you are a huge proponent of, and it's throughout the book, and you mm-hmm. say it a hundred different ways, but you're all about content marketing. And that term gets thrown a lot, thrown around a lot. Um, I don't know if it's ever been clearly defined for everybody here, mm-hmm. but moving forward, if we talk about that, can you kind of give everybody an idea what that is, why you decided down that pathway and, and kind of how you got started in it? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there are a lot of byproducts of stuff and uh, I had listened and started diving into some podcasting. And so I had heard of a podcast and it was by... Um, Robert Rose and Joe Polizzi of the Content Marketing Institute. And they have their own interesting story, but they really were the pioneers of of content marketing and defining it and making it a thing. And and so they have a whole institute. And so I was listening to their podcast. I went to their huge live event in Cleveland back in 2016. I went to their masterclass in Austin in 2018. Uh, So I really, it was a combination of I read all their books. I mean, I self-taught with their information and then I actually went to learn from them directly. And I remember actually Robert Rose was one of the guys who really said I needed to write a book about this for for chiropractic. And so it was cool to get his um, ideas on it. He's pretty well known in the content marketing world 
And so it was, it was interesting to do that. And so that's my training in it. And really content marketing, yeah, you're right. Like everybody hears about creating content and all that, but content marketing is actually like a, a strategic approach you need to have. And it's got to have a really clearly defined audience that you're targeting with content that's going to be really educational based, okay? And it's going to really get them to ultimately purchase. You got to get enough content going to where they purchase. And obviously in our world, purchasing is becoming a patient. So I think that's one of my strong suits is that I may not be the best marketer on the planet, but what I can do is take these marketing concepts and apply it to the evidence-based chiropractic practice. Whereas maybe a Robert Rose, who's like one of the top content marketers, may not know the nuances of chiropractic. And I, I use another analogy of, of language, right? If, um, if I could speak Spanish at 85% clip, um, that would get me, you know, pretty far, but I wouldn't understand the nuances of the language and the subtleties and the humor and things like that. And I, I use that analogy and someone fired back uh, a great one. They're like, yeah, you could order a latte, but you couldn't get a date, right? <laughs> so like that, that extra 15% of a language is important, right? There's different nuances. And you ever seen that movie, uh, In Inglorious Bastards? Yes, exactly. Yeah, they're speaking German fine, but then they the the thing that tips them off is the way they sign the word the number three, right? Mm-hmm. And that tells the Germans that these guys are are fake. It's like, oh yeah, that's subtle nuance that you know might get you killed in World War Two. Exactly, and it's very true. And it's the same way with marketing for a specific profession. And so I think that's my my strong suit. And so I try to get chiropractors to leverage the fact that we have something interesting to say, right? Like um, content marketing can be done by almost any type of uh, industry, but imagine if you sold like, you know, plumbing equipment or whatever, like you could have a content marketing strategy around that, but it'd be trickier. I feel like having healthcare as our, as our background can make these things a little bit more interesting and useful, uh, especially in today's day and age. So it's having a consistent content um, creation, repurposing, curating, and then leveraging distribution channels to get it out there, but really with a, with a purpose. And it's not these random acts of content of like, oh yeah, I posted that day. And it's just these random things that happen. You, you got to be consistent with it. Yeah. So just so that our listeners can understand, you don't say like, hey, you only have to do video or you only have to write a blog. You don't really care about what method mm-hmm. or what I picked up from your book is that you just, if you're going to do a podcast, do it every week. Yeah. But if, you're, if you can, if you can only do it once every six weeks, don't do a podcast. Don't even waste your time on the seven episodes you'll release in a year. Mm-hmm. If you can do a blog, if you love writing, write a blog and and. Yeah. And then make that blog work for you. But if you're not a great writer, don't struggle through it. Right? That's yeah. kind of what I picked up. And you don't really care what method it is. Although there are, how would I say this? Uh, video on a website, Google rewards that maybe a little bit yeah. more than a still image. So if given the choice, you'd be like, hey, the video would probably do you a little bit better. Yeah. Um, so there are some, what do you call it? Distribution preferences, but whatever it is that somebody can just produce consistently is the best content for them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, you can't be everything on everywhere, especially most of the people that we're talking to are chiropractors um, and they don't have a well-developed team around them. With that said, I actually just had the marketing director for uh, fit muscle and, and joint. I'm sure you've heard of them. They're doing yeah. great things and they've got multiple locations and they have the capabilities of having a delineated marketing director. And it's amazing what she's doing. Uh, we don't, we all don't have that. Uh, so I want chiropractors to understand that sometimes you got to pick your lane. It's the same way. I remember I got into a, a little bit of an argument with shockingly, with um, someone on Facebook Messenger who was in my Facebook group who was taking advantage of the group. And he his like last hurrah was, you don't have hardly any followers on Instagram. What do you know about marketing? And I kind of just laughed, you know, as far as my my modern chiropractic marketing group. And and I don't. I mean, we got an Instagram cha- uh, channel. We post on there. I'm not blowing it out of the water. You know, I'm not one of these bikini clad uh, celebrities that have 3 million followers on Instagram yet. 
and I'm still working on my bikini body though. So we'll see how that goes. Um, you know what? But, Don't send me progress pics. Okay. okay, okay. Yeah, all fine. right. All right. But what I realized was, you know, the Facebook group, the podcast and pre-pandemic, the public speaking, and then obviously the book, those are really the, the bread and butter of what I need to focus my energy on. And then I will have some things like th- that I get out there, but I really don't need to run Facebook ads for the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Group. It, it, we get a lot of distribution through podcast and Facebook group and all that, so I can save some money. Um, but in my private practice, my marketing looks a lot different than my marketing does for MCM. I, in my private practice, I'm, I'm website heavy. Like I, I really abide by the hub and spoke model where that thing is our just new patient generator big time. We have social media presence. We run Facebook ads. We run Google ads. We do all that. But it really starts with my website there. And so I'm just, I know what is working for me and I double down on that. I've got, I've interviewed chiropractors that are just killing it on Instagram. We know chiropractors are killing on YouTube. So everything be a little bit differently, but sometimes you got to find what's really working and go deep on that. And then you can worry about repurposing to the other channels. Yeah. I think you, I, I, I don't remember if it was a conversation on, on the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Facebook group or where, but you made that explicit statement of like, you can find an office that basically almost didn't have a website, but just the, the you know, public speaking was so aggressive and so prolific that they, they succeeded wildly. You can find one that succeeded just like you said, off Instagram. You can find one that succeeded just off YouTube. So there's not a perfect way. And there are ways that all those work. But just, uh, you know, for somebody to think, oh, just because you ha- don't have an Instagram channel, therefore, you don't know anything about marketing. It's like, yeah, I mean, you can find, uh, what, what's his name? Dan Kennedy is known for writing or sending out physical printed newsletters that are like printed black and white on eight and a half by 11. And we're not talking anything fancy here. And that guy... He's done okay on income. I can't remember quite, but he's all right. You know? He's done very okay. And I think we've yeah. both interviewed Sean Buck of the Newsletter Pro, yeah. right? There's a guy who's making a killing off a great newsletter. And right. not that he yeah. doesn't have other channels. And I know I get his email, yeah. but his bread and butter where he goes deep on is the newsletter. Yeah. And that perfect example, like I really love his content that mm-hmm. he only publishes on a printed newsletter. Every time it comes in, I don't know if you get that eight page one he sends out. It looks beautiful. I love reading it. It sits on my desk for five or seven days. Mm-hmm. I'll look through it. I'll look back at stuff. And I remember the stories he shares and that content. He doesn't have a podcast or a, a video walkthroughs or anything like that. And yet it's super effective and we we use his service. So mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. You know, he, he, he does everything. I mean, he's been doing it a lot longer than me. He does everything in that book, right? He, he has a very very clear message. And that's one of the sections in the book is a, having a really clear message. He knows yeah. exactly who his audience is. He's yeah. picked his distribution channel, right? Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's really impressive what he's done. Yeah. And uh, he's such a great marketer. I think he might just distribute through print and newsletter just to prove the world wrong. Like <laughs> it still works, pal. You yeah. Know? Yeah, now, for you, sure. you just said something that was very interesting. I, I'd love to touch on You've been in practice for about, what, 15? 16 now, yeah. 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in practice for roughly the same. Mm-hmm. And you just said he's very clear, talking about Sean Buck, who he wants to focus on. Mm-hmm. And I would love to talk to you, to you real quick about like deciding who you want to focus on mm-hmm. from both the messaging idea, but then, you know, when I got out of school, man, I focused on, I was out here in Vegas. My mm-hmm. best friend of mine was on the Ultimate Fighter TV show. Yep. And I thought, I'm going to go after MMA athletes. <laughs> and turns out uh, they're always injured. So it's great because yep. they need all the chiropractic care you can give them. Mm-hmm. But they're always broke, which is not so great to focus on. So yeah. can we talk about that? Like deciding who you want to go after? Yeah, definitely. Um, I have a, a whole tool in there called the audience builder. But one of the things we try to get really clear on is the psychographics, which are going to be the traits, the the ideas, the belief system, the activities, just like how these people are wired in certain ways. And you want to definitely get clear on what type of psychographics you want. Uh, historically, people have focused on demographics, right? Which are going to be different. And uh, demographics are fine, but if you forget about the psychographics, you're going to run into issues. But then once you get clear on your psychographics, like that, that perfect type of patient, you do have to consider 
demographics as well, which one of those key things is going to be finances, right? Like that's just going to be part of it. Um, And so an example in my practice, I used to be in network with all the insurances and, and I, I was um, down here in South Florida at such a perfect time for the big CrossFit wave, right? I've been practicing since 06. CrossFit, I think, got so popular, 09, 2010, 2011. So I rode that wave and, and it was a perfect match of psychographics and, and the demographic. Like I was in network with insurance and the copays were cheap, so it worked out. Well, then, uh, as I mentioned, getting hit in the face in 2015, 2016 or getting my legs chopped out from under me was insurance reimbursement got horrific for Blue Cross Blue Shield. And that was the biggest carrier here in Florida. So I went out of network. And what I found was now I had a demographic, psychographic incongruency because I'm, mm. I'm expensive, all right? I try, mm. to, I, I try to position it as high value because if you great, give good care and you're a little bit more expensive, then people position it as higher value. Uh, but the reality of it is, is the CrossFit crowd has a little bit of a tough time even affording their CrossFit membership, let alone coming to see me two or three times a week at $85, $95 a session. So um, I stopped targeting them with a lot of my effort. I still get some CrossFitters. We still have some of them uh, for sure, but it's not a big um, group that we target right now because of that mismatch, unfortunately. Well, that, that, that's tough to make that decision, but that's awesome that you did that. And, you know, I think, uh, I think that you go into a whole chapter, I think it's chapter 13 of your book is all about going after these congregations of people. Yeah. Because the other thing that I, I think doesn't get talked about enough is you can decide you want to go after whoever. But for example, if you're going after runners, um, they're difficult to pin down. I mean, maybe they go to a running shoe store, but think about how often are they doing that? Four times a year, something like yeah. that. So where can you target these people? You know, you talk about uh, some golfers, you talk about desk workers, yeah. and you do have some experience there of targeting those people. But can we talk about like, balancing that. So you, you can go after a group that has money and also fits your demographic and psychographic profile. But if they're hard to get your message in front of, yeah. that in itself might not be worth it, right? It might be worth to go after a different group. Yeah, we actually just had this example with a preceptor of mine and, and she's working through my book and stuff. And, and I asked her the question, like, you know, who do you want to have as the perfect patient? Mm-hmm. And she uh, <clears throat> she really wanted to work with the VA, with military and stuff. Cool. And uh, Unfortunately, I said is like the VA is the congregation point, right? And so mm. if you can't get in with that, or if there's not one by you, that's a how are you going to target them, right? Yeah. Like if there's not a congregation point online or offline for that. Now, what's happening, which is great, is obviously chiropractic is becoming well accepted in the VA, and that's becoming a great congregation point. So you may have to move. Like if that's a really something you want to do, you may have to be willing to move to a different city. And I know some chiropractors that have done that. It's been great. Um, but sometimes there's just not a natural congregation point for something. Um, so yeah, I, know a PT, I know a PT. I think you know him too. Um, mm-hmm. oh, Bobby, what's his name? Uh, he lives in Palm Springs during the winter and he works at a very high-end golf property. And then he moves. Now, Palm Springs is huge for golf in the winter. Yep. But in the summer, it's almost unbearable. So he moves out to, uh, uh, Montana to a a different golf resort. That's Mm -hmm. only busy from basically, you know, May through September. And then he moves back and that's a, that's fun. It's great. Mm -hmm. He kind of had to work with his wife about how it's going to work. And then they had kids, you know, so it got a little bit tougher to take them. They're going to switch schools every year, but, um, you know, golf in Montana in the winter is a tough putt. Like yes. <laughs> ironically, <Yeah. laughs> no, no pun intended, but it's a, yeah. it's a tough one if you want to go after that, or if you're going after the, you know, you want to be the number one triathlete, uh, you know, you work a lot with triathletes, but they typically, if they're good, they typically move to a Southern area in the States because, you know, Wyoming is a tough place to train again in the winter, whereas South Florida and San Diego are like the hubs for those, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's some natural congregation points geographically. You know, I've had people reach out to me. I've done a lot with the NFL combine and I've run that for about 12 years. This is actually the first one we haven't been doing. So because of the pandemic, but, um, 
I just happen to be in South Florida and it's comp- it's like the hotbed for NFL combine training and off-season training for NFL players. Right. And I had some people reach out to me. I was like, well, you're in Iowa. Like, eh, you know, maybe if there's a university there, you can do that. But NFL is going to be hard. There's nothing, yeah. there's no NFL team there and there's no off-season congregation there. So there definitely can be geographical barriers. Now, yeah. on the topic of runners and triathletes, that is a uh, group that I've had really good success with and they're a perfect match of psychographics and they tend to have the finances for it because triathlons is not cheap the bike stuff is a very expensive actually and so and then runners in general tend to be a little bit more fluent it's just maybe i don't know what it is and so i've done well with it and some of the things that have made me successful some of the congregation points that there are aside from running stores like you mentioned is is running groups so um early on i felt like i was doing injury prevention talks on saturday mornings for running groups like twice a month during running season. It was a lot and I got a good reputation with that. Then when I moved up to Boca Raton in 2010, there happened to be a, a Boca Raton triathlons group, which is it's a huge group. And I reached out to them. I became one of their sponsors and it's a pay to play. You know, I spent 2000 a year for them, but I've had so many patients from them and they've got a closed Facebook group and they've got over a thousand people in that group and they let me post in there and be a, kind of an expert. So that's an example of an online congregation point where you can follow them. So, you know, if you get clear on the group, you can, you need to start figuring out like, where's the offline congregation I can get to these like folks yeah. and where's the online I can get to these folks. And obviously Facebook, Facebook makes it easy too, because you can run targeted ads for runners, triathletes, swimmers, cyclists. You, you would, if you're going to target triathlons, you would break it down. You'd, you would target triathletes, but also runners, also cyclists independently and, and swimmers. Nice. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, I was thinking back as you're talking, you know, we went to a bunch of, uh, triathlons early on. I can't remember how many races I went to. And one thing that we got trapped into was we saw great success with going to the local sprint and Olympic distance, uh-huh. you know, kind of the local market ones. And then, uh, as all those athletes were getting better, and they were wor- working on their next half Ironman. Well, Las Vegas or Henderson, the little town I live in next to Las Vegas, hosted the world championships of the half Ironman distance. Yep. And we paid a boatload of cash to get a booth there because we'd seen so much success locally. I know where you're going with this. And we treated all day long Thursday, all day long yep. Friday, all day long Saturday. Sunday was the race. And then we, afterwards, I stepped back and we realized all those people had traveled here from somewhere else. <laughs> yes. And when you're a local business, you know, oh, yeah. we're not the guys selling, uh, uh, you know, we're not selling goo packets or something where it doesn't matter where you are, you're going to buy them. We were selling a local service and 95% of the people we treated that weekend yeah. were not locals. Yeah. <laughs> Yet at, the, at the local races, the little, the shorter ones, yeah. we would basically, we had a, an agreement with one of the race directors. Like, yeah, I would love to have you guys. Don't worry about paying. We'll just set up a yeah. tent area for you. If you're willing to treat it, everyone. Mm-hmm. And making sure all those things match, it takes some finesse. I mean, it's not yeah. something you'll, it's unlikely to hit a home run the first time out, yeah. right? It's a, that was a demographics problem, right? What's, yeah. what's the demographic? They don't live there. <laughs> oh yeah, their address kind of matters. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's happened to us. Like we, we've actually, because we have some big events down here and we stopped doing those. We also held a big CrossFit thing here and yeah. we did that one year, complete fail. All, it was all people coming in, in town with it. And so yeah. unless maybe you get paid to do it, I would, I would do that. Yeah. But like you're saying, the running group, if they're meeting Wednesday nights at, you know, 630, mm-hmm. it's 99% locals, right? I mean, yep. maybe somebody's visiting, but God dang. Mm-hmm. I mean, and plus it, it's nearly free. Usually those things, even yeah. $2,000 spread out over years, nothing. It I mean, isn't. Yeah, exactly. And that's where you, you know, I have a, a whole point, part in the book where we talk about marketing finances and ROIs and things like that. And so yeah. I know what a new patient's worth in my practice. And so I literally can tell you, I just need basically like, I need 1.2 new patients a year to pay for that $2,000. Wow. Right. And, and so if you, if you know what a new patient's worth and you know your finances really well, you can make decisions on expenses for marketing a lot easier. Yeah. And for those new providers out there, please don't make your new patients worth a hundred dollars or something. It, it makes it really tough to, it's very tough. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so so you're talking about all this content and, you know, you, I'm sure to a lot of people, you seem prolific, right? You have 
a podcast, you have the CSA, you have a book now, you have your own practice and all the marketing assets there. And a lot of people don't get to see behind the scenes and you know all the, the delegate help you have and maybe preceptors yeah. doing some side work and all that. And so to them, they think, oh, I can never be like Kevin because mm-hmm. you know, obviously he's published every, every hour of every day of his life, blah, 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 blah. But one thing I did like in the, in the book is uh, on page 125, you kind of lay out a map of repurposing, reusing, recycling um, content so that you can basically get the most juice out of every orange that you're squeezing, right? Yeah. 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 Can you kind of talk to people about that? Because to me, what that does, you look at that and you go, oh, wow, I don't have to do so much. Mm -hmm. If I do one strategic move, I can make a lot out of that. Like my wife will make uh, like pasta sauce one day, but she won't put it on pasta, right? So then it can go on vegetables Then it can be mixed with eggs for breakfast. Then it can be on spaghetti. Then it can be a lot of things. And it's like, oh, wow, that, you know, that meat sauce can play 19 different roles if you do it right. Yeah. It's kind of like my golf swing. I got 23 things wrong with it, but maybe we can fix one that solves eight of them, right? I tell my golf instructor, I don't want to wear out this dead center of the face. You know, that's why I spray the shots all over it, you know? You know, Rory McIlroy has to get new clubs all the time because he's so yeah. dead center. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, and I want to thank you for helping with that infographic yeah. a few years back. I know you and I worked through that and we were like, how can we repurpose? But essentially, like, think about it this way. If you started with a blog, right, 750 words, nothing crazy, uh, you could story brand it for sure. I actually put together a nice little document. I can get it to you and you can put it in the show notes if you want. But it's like the perfect chiropractic blog on how to kind of story brand a, a blog for for chiropractors. And if you do that, then you could use that concept. Let's just give an example. Plantar fasciitis and runners is your is your blog you're going to write. Then okay. from there, you could say, okay, what would be a few videos I could shoot based on that topic? Maybe it's some stretches. Maybe it's a pre-run warm-up. Maybe it's a couple, uh, maybe it's a treatment video of what we do, right? So now you've, you've used that concept. You wrote a blog, you shot videos, and then you're going to take those videos, put it onto your YouTube channel. Whether you become a YouTube star or not, it's not the point, right? Probably not going to happen. But you're going to take those YouTube links. Now, when you put that blog on your website, you're going to embed those YouTube links and it should show up as a video thumbnail on your website, not a YouTube link, but a video thumbnail that's in there. And so you've now got a blog with videos and you can distribute both of those. So now let's go back to the video you shot, you put it on YouTube. I want you to also directly upload the video onto its native platform. So I don't want you taking the YouTube link and pushing that on Facebook. I want you to directly upload it onto Facebook. Maybe it's, it's your Facebook business page. You can run it as a Facebook ad. If you're a part of a great group like I am, the run, the triathlon group, you could post it in there directly. Same thing with Instagram. And so now that video is being distributed out, right? And that's a great way. I also want you to email out the videos. Okay. So it can be an email, it can be email content, which is great. So that's really where you're going to get some good traction on the video. Plus kind of circling back to something earlier we talked about is like, if you're sending out a monthly print newsletter, that blog's probably 50% of everything you need to send out, right? I mean, it's, it's certainly a great starting yeah. point for what you want to send out. Absolutely. And um, one of the last things you can do with the video, and this is where I use my YouTube channel a lot, is, um, you know, let's say you did one of those videos was pre-run warm-up. A lot of my patients, I ask, are you doing a warm-up before you run? No. And so I go over and I take the YouTube link and I email them directly through the EHR. It's like, okay, I'm going to email you a warm-up. I want you to make sure you start to do. So it's part of that patient education, patient experience that they like as well. So you've really got a lot of good juice squeeze out of that, out of that video. Now let's go back to the blog. The blog you're going to put on your website. You're going to email to your patients. You're going to post it on Facebook and Instagram you can actually post it on your Google My Business as well. There's a, a posting section on Google, which a lot of people aren't familiar with, and it actually can have a like a learn more call to action. It, it, you put the link in there and it should populate an image. If not, you can put an image in there. And so now you could put it on Google My Business, which isn't on that infographic because it didn't exist when you and I designed that. <laughs> so yeah. that's the hard part about having your whole shtick as modern chiropractic marketing. You got to stay modern all the time, right? And so um, you take that blog, you can obviously get that out there. 
And then like you said, pre-COVID, we would print our blogs and put it in the waiting room. So our waiting room was filled mm-hmm. with a lot of branded content. Mm-hmm. We took all that stuff out now because of COVID. We're just We don't have anybody in the waiting room. We don't want them touching stuff. But you could do that. And you could send it out as a monthly newsletter as well. So you could do that. So there's a lot of different things you can do, you know, with it. It's, yeah. it's really, really uh, makes it easier. And then that's your content creation and repurposing. And then you can sprinkle on some curated content as well. So maybe, you know, you found an article on active.com that supports what you do and you could put that as a post and, you know, it's okay to take other people's content and get that out to your audience if it's congruent. So going back to the, the, you need to use the example of uh, plantar fasciitis. So if I'm reading, you know, triathlete weekly and I Mm -hmm. see that uh, the number one triathlete in the world uh, has been struggling with plantar fasciitis, I can use that as a intro or, hey, I was reading this article and they talked about, uh, you know, Joe Smith dealing with plantar fasciitis, yep. include the link there mm-hmm. and then say that, which reminded me of three things, you know, a great warm up to do, how to treat it and what to do afterwards, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So I can pull in that other content. And even if you're, uh, if you have a great treatment, let's say, and maybe somebody's like, well, I don't have a good warm up for it, Kevin. If there's a great warm up on YouTube that you found, include that. So yep. you can kind of use, uh, it's almost like Legos, right? Like I can grab this piece and fit it there. Maybe I have all the green pieces, but if I don't have all the green, I can use a brown as long as it fits with what I'm doing yep. and build whatever I need to build. Yeah. And I just, the overall thought process I want chiropractors to have, because again, we're chiropractors, we're treating patients for the most part, is that you don't have to be the creator of everything and you don't have to create a ton of stuff for each platform. Create a little bit, get the, you know, the, the juice out of there and then take other stuff to really supplement that information. And I've done that many times. And then it's also good to put those links into the, the blog as well. And it gives you yeah. some credibility, right? I do love that move that politicians do a lot where, you know, if you and I are completely different sides of the aisle, they, you know, they'll be writing an opinion piece and they'll be like, even Kevin Christie agrees with this statement, you know, every chiropractor should be doing marketing and they pull in uh, reference or content from uh, one of their enemies. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, we both agree on this, even though we don't see eye to eye on most things. And, uh, and you're like, oh yeah, that, that was a good move. Cause now two things happen. A, they have more content and B, that other person can't ever argue with them about that point, right? Like, it's true. No, absolutely. Lock me in. Yeah. And that's why sometimes the reality of it is, is if you find some stuff from a really, really super credible source, it helps cement in the reader's mind, okay, this person is not full of shit, right? Right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, if somebody's dealing with a, a, like, if there's something where you're like, uh, I, I can't seem to get a lot of support here, people don't believe that a chiropractor would know X, Y, Z, Pull in a neurosurgeon's article off Mayo, you know, mayoclinic.com or something and all these different things. It's not that hard to find that info while you're looking at Google and say, hey, yeah, we, we see it the same way. Yep. And it boosts you up just a little bit more. So yep. I love that, man. And, and one thing too about that diagram, I don't remember, one piece of content you show can create, let's say, 20 things. Early on, there's no expectation it has to create all 20, right? No, definitely not. Work your way. Three. Like, yeah, Yeah. it's, it's fantastic. The process. Yeah. Well, uh, so let's go on to, to when you do have, you know, a little bit of help when you do have a little bit of, uh, whether you get a preceptor or, you know, some high school kid that's uh, helping out as a CA or, or you do get a CA and we have this content engine going. So we're producing, you know, videos and blogs. You, you, you and I actually both use a service called Delegate Solutions. Highly recommend them. I actually joined them because of you. You recommended it. And man, it's crazy what they will take off your plate. They're mm-hmm. skilled at telling you to take stuff off your plate. I'm like, yeah. oh, you guys can do that? Like, so here's a funny <laughs> story. I was like, man, we, I need to get this house cleaned. And you know, I, that took half a Saturday. And they're like, we can find you a cleaner. Sent me an email with four different uh, cleaners, the prices. Said, which one do you want to hire? I said, I don't know. The first one has like four stars. They're like, all right, they'll be there, you know, next Thursday at 1 PM. I, I checked your calendar. That's a good time for you. I'm like, man, life can be this good. Oh, oh it's great. Like we, we went to Europe in 2018 and my, yeah. my now wife, she was working full time at the time. And so neither of us had time. So they, they booked a lot of our Europe vacation. That's so awesome. yeah, it was yeah. good. It's great. Anyway. So when we get those people, um, you know, uh, I think it's like chapter 11 of your book is automate, delegate, and optimize. 
Mm-hmm. So when people get to that point, where do you recommend they start if they want to start delegating some things? Because I think there's a hesitation because like, if I'm looking at Kevin Christie as a chiropractor, I want to see Kevin Christie's face on there and I want to see a video with him, but there's so much that, that you can delegate. What do you recommend or how do you recommend people go about that? Well, yeah, everybody's going to have a different end goal in mind, right? And so some chiropractors are fine with being a personality-based practice. They're not looking to scale. They're not, you know, it's just, they're okay with it. And, that, and that's fine, you know, and, and I built my practice that way, but I've kind of, you know, veered a little bit to the other direction where I don't want my practice to be all about me. So then, yeah, like I actually don't do, ironically, I don't do a lot of the marketing for my practice anymore. And so I'm trying not to be the face of it since I'm only practicing twice this a is, week This now. is like the guy that uh, you go up to some UFC fighter and you're like, hey man, I keep getting in fights. How do I win? And they go back to you. Don't get in fights. Like, well, how do you do that? Well, you learn how to fight really well. And then you just realize fighting stupid. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's true. Like even to the point where, you know, last year, um, again, this was pre pandemic. So yeah. it was, it had nothing to do with that, but I did not go to the NFL combine for the first time in 12 years. I sent my associate, I, he had a huge part of the eight weeks down here working with the players. Um, I oversaw it. I treated some and I talked to the guy who's a director of it down here, the trainer. And, and I let him know that and he was fine with it and it turned out really good and I got it off my plate. So I've made the decision to even some of the things that are, you know, exciting and fun and work with those. Like I've, I've tried to get that type of stuff delegated. Now my first order of business was hiring a very capable chiropractor. So hiring goes into that. And, and when you're outsourcing, making sure you vet that, you know, so that's a, a big one. And, and I use the word, delegate instead of outsource in that chapter because I think you need to start with delegating internal to what mm-hmm. you have and then you can start to outsource as well but it, you know some some of us are going to be in different positions than others some are going to have more time than money and so you probably have to do a little bit more yourself and then others are going to have a little bit more money than time and I would say over the last few years I've been trading dollars for time and I'm not afraid to write that check you know I've gotten comfortable with what my uh, cash flow is in, in all my businesses. I've gotten comfortable with my personal life. We've made some awesome decisions where my wife's not working now. And so I've taken that on, but we're in a good place in the financial side of things. So it's allowed me to have a little bit of delayed gratification and say, you know, let's just make up numbers. If if an extra $5,000 is available each month, do I want to put that in my personal life and I don't know, buy a second home or do I want to hire somebody or outsource something and, you know, things of that nature. I've made that decision to use that extra money in my business a little bit more to free up my time to where again, Monday, Thursday, I'm treating patients. I'm not on Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm doing stuff like this, or I get to spend a lot more time with my newborn. And so those are decisions I've made. And then there'll be a, there'll become a time where I feel like I'm in a really sweet spot. And then, yeah, I'll compensate myself a little bit more on the personal side, but uh, time is not a renewable resource. So as you can start making those decisions and getting the right people around you, you can actually start doing more things that bring in more money. So I'm sure that there's some folks listening going, oh, that that's the dream, you know, that's, mm-hmm. but they, they can't quite see over that horizon of getting to the point where you can, you know, write $5,000 check to mm-hmm. every month to handle a problem. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so I know that you run the CSA and you have literally dozens, hundreds of chiropractors in there, mm-hmm. but it, looking at those people knowing, and all the people you worked with privately, mm-hmm. where would you say, if you were to start somebody that's five years or less in practice or right out of school, mm-hmm. one, two or three things you say, like you hear this all the time and it's a great place to start the delegation mm-hmm. journey. Cause yeah. we can't say, Hey, handle payroll, right? Like mm-hmm. very high risk. Very complicated at first, but you know, can we handle posting the blog, not writing it? And then can we move into writing the blog? So where do you think a good place for people to start is? Yeah. And in that chapter, I I kind of run through a questionnaire type of thing where it's okay. Can you automate this? 
And, and if you can, that's where I want you to start, right? So an email onboarding sequence for a new patient can, can be completely automated. So I, that's an example of that. So I want you to, anything that's marketing or business task related is say to yourself, can it be automated? And then do that. There's mm-hmm. so many technologies out there. It's, it's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Zapier and all that. There's a lot of good stuff in there that we talk about in the book, but that's your first question. If you cannot automate it, the next question is, is uh, can I delegate it to a team member? And is it in their unique ability? Is it uh, something that you're not going to burden them with, right? Like, I don't want the associate chiropractor uh, mopping the floors per se, right? <laughs> I want it to be within their sight Hold line on, of, if you mouthed off to you, that's a perfect reason. But exactly. You know, maybe not a daily duty. But I've definitely seen that some incongruencies there, right? Like having the having the the associate verify insurance is like, like they didn't go to eight years of school and rack up what is it two hundred fifty in student loan debt now to <clears throat> to verify insurances and stuff. So yeah, okay. So can you delegate internally if you don't have the team member to delegate it internally? Can you afford to outsource it to a to a vendor or contractor? Right. Sure. And so that's where you want to start finding that person to, to do that. Um, if you can't afford to outsource it and you can't delegate it internally, um, can it be optimized, right? Like, let's just make it as best we can for the time being. And then once there's a little bit more financial resources, then that's going to be taken off my plate, right? So that's the process. And I try to work through that from the mind of, the resources being limited, the resources not being limited. I think what what always frustrates me the most when I talk to chiropractors is that chiropractor that's got a lot of revenue and profit coming in and they're not getting stuff off their plate and they're doing things where it's like, you, you shouldn't be doing that. Let's invest the money into getting that off your plate. That's that's the one that's frustrating because it's there. Like it, the, it's, it's one step away. And right. I want, I really challenge those chiropractors out there listening that have the financial resources to just take that next step, like outsource something or make, or make that higher. Right. I feel like too many chiropractors, for instance, I, there's a lot of chiropractors you and I know that I think wait too long to hire a, a front desk person. Right. Yeah. And the funny thing about that one is not just the time you'll have, but, your patient experience will be so much better if there's somebody nice at the front ready to greet them, say goodbye. Man, those little things make such a huge yeah. difference. So, yeah. And it's, it's a credibility issue. When, when a patient walks into a doctor's office, they kind of have certain expectations. And, yeah. and here, this is coming from someone where I, I went a stretch early on with no front desk person. So I, I get yeah, it. You started out as a room, renting a room in a, in a, in a gym. gym, right? I came from the bottom. <laughs> yeah, and, and so I've done all these things. So I don't speak from it without experience. Like I've done all the nitty gritty mm-hmm. stuff. And, and that's one of the things I probably would have changed early on quicker. Is having the front, the front desk person. Yeah. Yeah. Getting that's it awesome. done, having the right person. Uh, and then I would have done a better job of training them back then. <laughs> well, so. it's a, it's never ending uh, journey, right? You get a, you get a polish that, that process up as often as you want. That's yep. one of the great things about, about business. Well, Kevin, this is awesome. We covered, uh, I think we touched on four different chapters and how many total chapters are there in that book? That's a good question. No, no, I think it's 22, 22 or 23. <laughs> and like, uh, like Kevin said at the beginning, it comes with a work, but so you can not just learn the lesson, but actually write down how you want to do it. Because one of the things that I think if you follow the roadmap that Kevin lays out, it's literally called the, uh, marketing, chiropractic marketing roadmap, it really helps you. And I would, you know, my experience certainly early on is when you decide to go after a certain group, that's who you're going to get. So in every practice I know of, like there's a certain group of patients that, my God, they just like the care so much better. It's so much less work. It's so much less heartache and, and dealing with people. And if you can fill your practice by just making the right moves early on, I think for no other reason, that's, that makes it worth it, worth it, you know, to work through that workbook focused on, you know, you and I both work with golfers and I find them to be low, uh, low difficulty that it's really fun work. It's exciting. They're appreciative. They pay their bills. It's everything I want a patient. If I would have just from the beginning of my practice gone, I'm going to go after these golfers. I, I think about where I would be now, man, it would be, you know, be making so much more money and having so much more fun and probably played a lot more of the top 100 courses in the nation with them, you yeah. know? 
Definitely. So, yeah. Any final any final thoughts there, Kevin, before we uh, wrap this one up? Yeah. If they're interested in the book, here's a, another marketing tip is if you've got this long, drawn out, crazy URL, you can use something called Bitly, right? That gives you a nice little clean link. And so bit.ly slash doing it right, MCM, and they could find the book there. Right now, it's just through Parker's online school uh, bookstore. So you can get it from them. So repeat that one more time. Bit.ly slash doing it right, MCM, like modern chiropractic marketing. Fantastic. All right. So people can head over there, get the book and the workbook and see the genius that is Kevin Christie. (laughs) Don't give me too much credit. (laughs) I just uh, repurposed a lot of stuff from a lot of other people, (laughs) (laughs) which really real quick side story. Parker University, you know, being a university and stuff, they really, really were strict on my re- my references, which is good. But I had to get like written sign agreements from all this stuff. All the stuff you've seen in there is like, I've got it all down to the T. So like I had to reach out to Seth Godin and he emailed me back, which was like, actually he was the quickest email response back. Uh, Ryan Holiday, like all these people that I referenced, it was quite, that was like the hardest part of writing the book. I just picture oh. Seth, you send Seth Godin, hey, I wrote a book. I want to use, you know, use some of your material. Can I use XYZ? Yeah. He responds and then you're like, and also can we have coffee? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I, I kind of mentioned his books are so like theory and they're kind of esoteric, I guess would be the word. Mm. Even his email reply back was esoteric. It's like, it's part of the college. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> it's just him part of like, it's the college of writing a book and it's his way of giving back, you know? <laughs> like, I had to look that up, you know, just like that's, he speaks in esoteric uh, phrases. It's pretty funny. Well, he's on brand, man. You know, <laughs> his content is him. That's awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, Kevin, if people want to uh, get more, we shared that link. Also, you have the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Podcast that I'm sure is on iTunes, Spotify, and every other platform. Yeah. And, uh, and, your Facebook group, Modern Chiropractic Marketing. So he's out there actually doing the deed, operating as a chiropractor. I think that Facebook group, man, what are you up to now? Like 5,000 members and it's- We're getting close, yeah. And yeah, it's good, good engagement. And there's really great threads of, what I love about looking through there is sometimes the question somebody answer, asks shows you like, oh wow, I haven't, I've never considered, you know, maybe somebody's asking about how can I present to a local triathlon group and somebody else is going, oh, I never thought about presenting to a local triathlon group. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought about the closed Facebook group as being a huge advantage of one of those groups either. That's awesome. Yeah, we try to make it a think tank and it's four, four and a half years going now and it hasn't died on the vine yet. So that's encouraging. <laughs> All right. Well, Kevin, I really appreciate the time today. And for everybody out there listening and use Kevin's book and the workbook to go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Clinic Gym Radio. As always, this episode was brought to you by ClinicGymConnect.com. What is Clinic Gym Connect? Well, it is a communication software that allows you to connect with your clients, communicate, market to them, follow up, provide amazing service, and help them fall in love with you even more than they already do. So if you are interested in all those things and people falling in love with you, you should probably check out ClinicGymConnect.com. Once again, that's ClinicGymConnect.com.